0: Hello and welcome back to the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. This is episode three of season four and we are going to Broadway. We chat to Jay Harrison G, who I had the pleasure of performing alongside many years ago in the show Big Band Beat at Tokyo Disney Sea. You may have recently seen a clip of Jay performing as Velma Kelly in a production of Chicago. It's a gorgeous clip, do check it out is currently in Mrs Doubtfire on Broadway and this episode is Dreamy. We talk about auditioning, shows transferring, gender in theatre and so much more. I hope you enjoy. Today on the Business of Show Business podcast, we are going international. We are taking you to Broadway as we chat to the insanely talented Jay Harrison G. How are you doing? I'm
1: wonderful. How are you?
0: I'm good. Um, so a bit of context for the listeners. Um, we met many years ago, as we just discovered a decade ago, at Tokyo Disney in the show Big Band Beat. What a
1: decade it has been. Oh, my Lord. Like, it, it's insane. And that was my first professional job. Uh, and to think in a decade, I,
0: I'm like, I, I could not have foreseen where I am, but I'm grateful. I Because I have involved. what was that solo song you had to sing? Like, All of you- me. Yeah, and like one time you just like threw in like a split jeté or something. And I was like, okay. (laughs) You've always got to add a little flair, a little spice. You know, keep it fresh. Exactly. And you obviously, the crazy world, the pandemic has hit the industry. However, you have had a busy couple months with doing Chicago. And now into rehearsal slash opening Mrs. Doubtfire.
1: Yeah. And,
0: And as I said to you off air, that clip of you, in Chicago, it was like a, um, a gender reversal, as they would say. You were playing Velma Kelly. Yes. How was that for you?
1: It was unreal, truly. Um, it wasn't until I was in rehearsals when I finally, it hit me. I was like, oh, we're here. We're doing this. I kept saying it's not real. It doesn't feel real. And it was just this fantasy. Um, and then doing it and it being like documented. I was like, oh, we, oh we're doing this
0: yeah and yeah. I think everyone listening you've probably seen a clip it was on like playbill broadway world theater mania yeah. it was everywhere I wonder how many views that clip has got now it must be crazy high I don't know you could have that but um, <laughs> yes <laughs> how was that received because obviously I think from the theater community we welcomed that so much yeah and that you did it with such a lovely blend of masculine and feminine energy and your talent alone held the role. It wasn't like we're doing this to tick a box, but did you receive any negative pushback at all? I didn't see any or nor was it sent to me. I haven't seen anything. It. I was
1: grateful to have been received so beautifully and to for them to be so open and to do it at the Muni in St. Louis, Missouri, Midwest America, and the audiences really did respond so beautifully to the show and the, the two and a quarter performances we got to do. Um, but it was, I mean, unreal. And that was my second time at the Muni because I did Kinky Boots there in 2019. And even that show, the executive producer, Mike Isaacson was like, I've never seen people respond to a show like this here at the Muni." So
0: it was definitely humbling to see people respond in such a beautiful way. And we will get to Kinky Boots, but staying with Chicago, the audition process, what was that like? Was it kind of like your agent's like, we are getting you in? Or were they open to the casting? Like, how was that audition process?
1: It, there was no audition. Mike Isaacson, the executive producer, explained to me that he, after seeing me do Kinky, he knew Chicago was coming eventually. Um, and this wasn't until later. And it was a pre-pandemic idea. But I was doing Doubtfire, so it wasn't going to happen. So I was like, oh great, that's incredible, but it's not gonna happen. So whatever, left it. And um, earlier this year in May, I got a text from him saying, are you still interested with that idea I gave you? Um, And
0: called me the next day I had an offer from my agents being like, we're doing this. For me, that is success. Cause I know people think success is being on the number one tour in town or this show or that show. But for me, it's when you're personal brand, your name has enough weight that someone just wants to work with you and that they book you. So I think first of all, for you, I hope that you celebrated that moment to be like, ah, they are literally knocking down the door to work with you directly. So-
1: no, I, It's like- funny, I, I don't, I, I have to be better about acknowledging moments like that because I was literally in Vegas celebrating a friend's birthday, got that text and you know, conversation with him. And I mentioned it to one of our our friends on the trip and I just said it so matter-of fact. And she looked at me like she's not a theater person. She's like, that's big though, right? That's like kind of huge. <laughs> and she was like, why are we not celebrating? What are you? And she's like, please, why am I more excited than you? But I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, and I think it's one, especially since doing this podcast, I've noticed that a lot of creatives, we find it hard to accept first of all accept praise or compliments but then to even celebrate that because we're always thinking like what's next what can I do spiritual clapping for you there we've touched on kinky boots and what a life-changing show that probably was for you in the role of Lola which from an outsider I I, and having known you and your skill set I feel like that role is almost written for you did it feel like that when you were in even in the room auditioning
1: Oh, for sure. It was definitely uh, parallel to my life, very close uh, in details. And I was like, did Cyndi Lauper follow my life to write some of these lyrics? Like what if like, ah, Um, but what made that journey so special was literally getting to see that show from every angle. Uh, You starting as a, a swing and assistant dance captain and then taking over the role on tour and then making my Broadway debut was like, I felt like a debutante, like I had been groomed for this moment. And it, <laughs> it was uh, so surreal. That one had, will never be lost on me, that whole experience. I mean, that's truly the one time I've ever been speechless in my life. When Jerry Mitchell asked me to like make my Broadway debut as Lola, I, my words left me.
0: Oh, no, I love, and I can imagine like that moment like, how do you even receive that?
1: It was, I mean, yeah, because he had come out to check on the tour in Sacramento and I was in my dressing room. We were doing a day rehearsal and I was just on my cell phone waiting for them to call me back downstairs. And he came in and was like, put the phone down. And I was like, okay, yes, sir. Like, And he just like hugged me from behind. And as we do as entertainers talk in a mirror, he just, he was like, you know, the team has talked and we think it's time for you to transfer to the Broadway company. If you want, mm. we would like to offer you the, and i literally just fell out in his arms and i was like mhm mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: like i had no words truly
0: and what is very for me is very different between the west end and broadway is that in the west end typically it's an entire cast change whether that's a 6 month or year contract it's everyone yeah there is sometimes of lead a bit of play but on broadway and tours it seems a bit different um, and please correct me if i'm wrong but it seems a bit different in the states that people kind of come and go on individual contracts is that kind of the case
1: yeah yeah people will fulfill their like six month riders or their year contract or if they get out put into their contract that they can you know have a reason to leave the show they will take it but
0: yeah there is a little more flexibility a little more room so when you are auditioning does that kind of change the dynamics again in the uk although some people may continue on or been cast prior for the most part you know there'll be several tracks available because it's a cast changeover but in that case if you know only one tracks changing or like how does that affect your audition process does it kind of make does it add a little bit more pressure on do you think or do you kind of enjoy the fact that you know There's no kind of, you've got got your blinkers on, you're going for that role, that track, and that's how it is.
1: Yeah, that's, I'm just trying to stay in the moment and try not, because I know I can overthink and try to get too ahead of a situation. So I'm like, let me just take it for what it is in this moment, as opposed to getting excited or concerned about things that I haven't gotten to that bridge yet, Um, which is something that is a daily battle in my life, but
0: yeah how was it for you going from because i know obviously at tokyo disney for instance and you did obviously regional shows as well but then making that shift to be like i need to be in new york for a hot second i need to start auditioning for these major tours or broadway when was that kind of decision process and how was that was that quite daunting because again in england london is probably the typical entertainment capital then we obviously have like edinburgh manchester but in the states You've got like Vegas, Reno, LA, Chicago. There's so many hubs.
1: Yeah, I've always just been so drawn to New York. It's just been, I I took a trip here when I was six with my family. And every year I was like, when can we go back to New York? When can we go back to New York? And we never did. So I moved at 18. It was like, this is the place for me. Um, And it always just feels right coming back here. Um, over the years like it's always daunting to consider you're like okay great this job's done what am I going back to but this city just has that flow that ebb that the hustle and bustle will always fuel me to be like all right we got to get the hustle is real let's go you there's no other choice Uh, yeah and coming back to audition for kinky boots what I was coming off my last cruise ship and I saw a breakdown for it and had heard so much about the show and everyone was like, this is perfect for you. It's written for you. And had people submit me before, but nothing happened. And I was in Telsey's office for Motown and I dropped off a headshot resume and cover letter expressing my interest for the tour. And my friends always talked about me being gone so long, but I learned so much about myself as an artist, working at Tokyo, doing cruise ships. I got to come back more confident in my artistry which was important to me. I was like, yes, I get being around, but also I want to come back with a product that I'm confident and proud of and not unsure.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that you've just said that there because there is a little bit of a stigma, I think, if you do go away for a long period of time, whether that is a cruise, an international tour, theme park. So I love that you said that and being more confident in your product.
1: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have traded any of that time for the world. I was like, I wasn't basing my journey on somebody else's blueprint. I wasn't trying to say, oh, this is how it's gonna work for me. I was like, no, I'm just gonna do what actually is working for me. Um, And it just made sense and it, it aligned as it should have. And luckily I got back right in time to audition for the national tour and it just played out.
0: Because I remember when we were in Tokyo Disney. Um, again, do correct me if I'm slightly wrong on my dates, but I feel like that was when you first started exploring your the element of drag um, and yeah. performing. It was like was it like the the crew talent show or whatever we did, and you yeah, that was then, yeah yeah when Crystal Demure debuted. So yeah. if you hadn't been away, maybe you might not have got kinky boots at that point in your journey.
1: Absolutely, and it's funny because. Um, drag had started off as something very secretive and very separate from my life Um, and my family didn't know friends and so I created separate pages so that I could keep it all you know divided and I sent friend requests to friends from school and at first they were like who is this crystal demure and I will never forget we talk about this all the time we're still friends that a couple of my friends finally it clicked and they were like Oh, children go to Tokyo and get comfortable. (laughs) Oh, we're like freeing ourselves now. Like you like out here and it's like, yeah, I got to go to Tokyo and be away from everything I knew and was comfortable with and really just got to be with myself and explore and say, okay, well, what do you like? What is, what feels good to you? What makes sense
0: to you? Some of the beauty of taking that contract away and, going through that comfort zone is, yeah, you've got no boundaries as such, because you're where you can be who you are in that moment. And sometimes you've got to do something to realize you don't want to do it. So someone may want to go, they may do a cruise ship and think it's not for them, but I think for every creative, doing something like that will definitely help shape you. And also like, where else are you going to be like, in a show where like the stage is rocking or you're at Tokyo Disney, like you're re-blocking your throat on halfway on. Yeah. It's like, you don't get that experience in a polished show. Yeah. Jay is an absolute dream guest to have on a podcast, such a lovely, calm, collected energy. Later on in the episode, Jay does give out his social media handles, so don't forget to give him a follow. If you are enjoying the episode, head over to your streaming platform and leave your review. Now back on with the show. Let's talk about you now. You're back in in New York. You're rehearsing soon to open with Mrs. Doubtfire. Which is a cult classic film. As you said, that that was what you would do in pre-COVID. And that was an out of like an off-Broadway production, wasn't it? It wasn't like we had, we had done our out of
1: town in Seattle. Um, and then we had done three previews on Broadway when we got back and then got shut down.
0: You're like, that's all you get. We're gonna tease you for a year and a half yeah. <laughs> with Mrs. Doubtfire, like having seen the film multiple times, you can easily see how it could become a musical, but then how was it auditioning for that thing? Because obviously if you love the film, you've kind of got a bit of a preconceived notion of what it is. What was the audition process like for Mrs. Doubtfire?
1: It was, for me, it was a uh, self-tape that started my audition process for that while I was at the Muni doing Kinky Boots. Uh, so I was in my hotel room doing that self-tape that afternoon and like getting ready for Kinky Boots that night. Um, And then also the character I play, I play Andre, who is Doubtfire's brother-in-law. I'm married to his brother and we create Doubtfire. We're the makeup artists and the prosthetics and all of that. Um, And so, of course, from the movie, that's Aunt Jack and people know Aunt Jack to be a certain thing, but to then add music and different words to that character and flesh it out more has been such a fun experience. And we really get into the room and just say uh, what is the story we're telling and how can we do that honestly, but also have fun and add this comedy. And it's the way they have translated it to stage is so fun to do
0: and from the audiences we have had received so well. And creating the role of Andre in a brand new musical that it has a level of pressure, but also a level of freedom which not many performers will necessarily get to experience unless they do new writing. So what was that like being involved, A, in a brand new musical, but then B, helping to create a role? It's
1: honestly so much fun. I'm the kind of person I generally don't like doing the same thing twice anyway. So getting to go to work and play and be like, Oh, this doesn't ring today. Or this doesn't feel, can we switch this up? Or like, can we add this word here? Or, Even the fun of just showing up sometimes and you being yourself in the room and the writer seeing like, oh, this is what you do in your real life. Let's sprinkle that onto the character and add more authenticity to what you're already doing. Um, And this is something I never even thought about getting into musical theater about, oh, there are new works. Somebody has got to create it. That was never on my radar. So to get to do that is like,
0: unreal. And now I'm like, oh, I'm about to be on a cast recording. This is like, "Ah." (laughs) like with New York and the hub of theater that there is, it seems that there's a bit of a, um, more of a revolving door in New York with new writers, new musicals, where in London, it's a bit that's starting to happen a lot more and things do transfer. But when you were in your Seattle production, how long into the run did you know, like, when did you get the phone call to say, this is transferring? Was it quite early on? Was it towards the end? For that particular, for this project, it, we already knew we were coming to Broadway. So
1: it was just kind of doing it by the books of, let's do this out of town. Let's try it out, figure it out, do some work on it. Then it was such a quick turnaround. We were there um, November, December of 19, and started rehearsals again for Broadway February of 2020. So it was like
0: we it was like the
1: month off and then we're back the show's happening.
0: Gosh yeah you're moving fast with that so yeah. someone listening because we get a lot of graduates listening to the show which is amazing whether they're in London or in New York what advice would you give to someone who's maybe going into a show whether it's considered like a long running show or brand new, cause again, you don't know with a new piece of writing or a new choreographer, where that work is gonna go. So you always have to give it your all, but what kind of audition advice would you give or wish you had known when you first started auditioning?
1: Go into the room and just be yourself. It sounds so easy and so like, but people want to have, the people at the table want to have people in the room who are easy and fun to work with, who are professional, who add to the room. So going in, like removing the the pressure and just being yourself is the best thing you can do. And being your best self requires wellness and taking care of you as a human being so that you can
0: be your best artist. I love that you said that because there's been another guest on this season of podcast who was saying about trying to take the negativity away from the word resting. Like your muscles grow when you rest and you have just hit the nail on the head there. It's like you need to be in a good state. So whether that is taking the rest or just being mentally prepared. So I'm so glad that you said that because a lot of performers, as you said, the hustle, they keep going. But to the point when it's like they're exhausted, they're at the point of burnout, they're not enjoying it. So you need to, like, take a hot second. You've dabbled a little bit in TV. And it's so funny because I've literally just started watching Raising Dion. Like, literally, like, two days ago. Because I quite like me, a little sci-fi show. and was like, what's this little treat? How was that? Because you were on multiple episodes as well. It wasn't like you're like, hey, I'm just doing a quick one-liner yeah. you're like bam you're in that so netflix show raising d on if you haven't seen it yet do check it out or there are only one episode in how was that process again because there's this um slightly unspoken element to our industry sometimes when you put in a box so you're a theater performer you're cruise ship you're commercial dancer yeah, yeah. and it's changing which is fab because literally performers are some of the most versatile most talented resilient people ever yeah again getting in the room for netflix was that was that hard? Did that come across organically? Like how was that audition process?
1: Thankfully that was uh you know my agents had doing their job got that audition for me um and it was oh lord my audition for uh, I believe that was a self-take too but it was so fun to have that experience and to be a recurring character and bring myself to that role and all that, you know, this I will tag on also to the advice I would give a graduate, a student, always be a sponge. Like it doesn't matter what role they give you, also be aware and conscious of everything happening around you. Cause that like, it was fun. I I was doing Kinky Boots on Broadway at the same time. So I would fly to Atlanta to shoot down there and then go back into shows. And I could use something from each realm for the other doing the television helped ground me in truth and 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 reality more for for the stage and the stage helped me bring my character to life in different ways so I really got to play back and forth and it was fun to be able to um, do that and then also pay attention to the grips and the crew members and like what they're doing and how People are being lit and all of that just to have an understanding, because, again, they want people in the room who know what they're doing. And the more you are conscious and aware of your surroundings, the better you can just be like, go with the flow and say, oh, great. I see what y'all are doing. Let me. Add to that or do adjust according so that we get the best product.
0: Let's quickly talk about the skill sets that are quite different as well, because on. When you're doing TV and film, it's hard. You can be in the energy zone and then they're like, cut in a show. You're live. That's it. If you fall, yeah. you get back up. How was that for you? Kind of, Especially when you were tag team in both things. How was that for you?
1: Um, I, one of my friends said in a Q&A on tour and I it has stuck with me in theater. Like you said, it's live. You're doing it. But you get eight opportunities. You get eight times a week if you're doing a, a running show. You get eight times a week to live that life and be that character. So you can always come back to it and be like, okay, great, I'll try something new today. And like, trust it and have fun and lean into it and bring yourself today, whatever that is to the work. And then with film, you're like, okay, great. We may get two takes, we may get three. Sometimes if you just, they only have time for one and you've got to trust it and leave it in the room. And that's hard, especially, well, I'm pretty sure I could say this. We shot season two of it earlier this year. It It is public knowledge that it's coming back.
0: Um, Exclusive, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I got to go back. That was the biggest thing I started going back to work for. And that took a minute to find that groove again. I was like, oh God, I haven't like used these chops in a minute. Like, But then just trusting it and being like, right, okay, great. And then you also have to trust that the editing team is just going to hopefully make you look good
0: (laughs) you need to be friends with everyone exactly (laughs) just be happy to be here pleasure to work with you know (laughs) no yes definitely and I think what I'm loving about tv film theater right now is the the play and the development of gender and um like masculine feminine energy and this being authentic and allowing people to be like because everyone wants representation. They want to see themselves or someone they know. And I love that shows and TV are exploring that. How does that sit for you as someone who is, as I say, you're probably so sure of yourself, we all have those inner demons and doubts, but you have your, you've been Lola, you've been Jay, you've been like Crystal. How does that sit with you, the way the industry is going? Are you seeing lots of good things or, or do you still think it kind of has a way to go? I mean, Chicago in itself, that
1: opportunity to do that and for it to be, as you said earlier, like it wasn't we were doing this to tick a box. We weren't doing this for the sake of. Mike trusted me with this material and said, no, I feel like this would be a great moment. And then our director, Dennis Jones, we sat down and met before, you know, doing any work and just got to know each other. And he was open to being like, how do you see this character is, you know, and. I got to be able to say my piece of, I'm not gonna pretend I am a cisgender woman. That's not, that's just not true. Uh, so we have to honor the fact that me as a non-binary human being playing this role, okay, great. So in this setting, she is non-binary ahead of her time, add that to the story, that then layers everything she does. And then, you know, it just brings different color. So. Having that opportunity, I feel like theater is is moving in that direction. All art, really. Yeah, Like you said, the representation of it is is so important. And I get that more and more every day. And I'm excited to dive
0: deeper. I would have loved to have been in the rehearsal room for that first read. Just the way someone, as you said, yourself there, just bringing that character. I'm sure it's quite electric for everyone because it was just so different. There was no right or wrong, no... Like mold. It must have been. What, what was that like in that first read through, the first run through of the show, when you did Chicago?
1: Oh, emotional. Uh, the first time we ran the show in its entirety, it, it it was rough because we had never run it, and it was our designer run. The day that all the lighting and sound and tech people were seeing it to get a feel for it, but it was the first time the cast had done it, and so it was great and it was exciting. And I had to take a minute when we were done to just like we rehearse outside and in the park. So I just took a minute to like, look at my surroundings and breathe in the moment of, okay, that happened. This is, it is changing not only for other people, but it was doing something for me. Of me trusting my gift and trusting myself more in that moment to be like, okay, great. You, you are capable, keep going.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure that will resonate with a lot of people. And I love the fact you just said stop and breathe it in because we never breathe in our own success, do we? we always thinking what's next. And I think it's so important to actually be like, (sighs) because we forget that sometimes where we wanted to be many years ago, is that we're we're here right now, we don't see it. Yeah. Um, One thing, backtracking a little bit, but what you've spoke about is self-taping, which is becoming, I don't know about the States, but in England especially because of what happened with Covid it's harder to either get people in the room or there's not as much budget as we know sometimes so they can't have a three-day audition process so the first round could be a self-tape right but that in itself is a different beast isn't it and like you can get so caught up in the lighting the sound the backdrop yeah. like yeah pre-Covid I think I would do like sometimes like eight plus takes and like dress my backdrop but then I think the one of the beauties that came from this new digital era of the industry is that we were like okay the backdrop doesn't have to be like designer if you're in a flat share or whatnot so self-taping what are your thoughts on that as an industry practice and do you have any tips or tricks for anyone who's struggled with self-taping I feel like self-taping will
1: always be a struggle I don't know (laughs) that that talk about inner demons and things you're like That is, you can so easily get in your own way doing self-tapes because you're like, no, I got to perfect it. I got to, and for me personally, I just relieve the pressure of, I'll do a few takes if necessary. I'm not going to give them mess. I'm not going to (laughs) not present myself well, but I'm also not going to overthink it. I'm going to make my choices. And if beyond that, they see potential, then great. If not, that wasn't for me.
0: I'm sure you've had it as well. I had like a theater teacher many years ago who was like, it's all about choices. And at the time when you're young, you're like, ah. and the older I get, I'm like, life is about choices. What am I choosing? It's so true, isn't it? And just, Whether it's like, go like, what is it? Go wrong and strong, but just go with your choice. Are there any quotes or mantras that have helped you along the way or that you live by or that allow you to shake it off if you're having a bit of a funk?
1: Ooh. Well, I just got a new one recently, actually from Casey Jones, their new group, the Shandellas. Um, They have a new song called uh, Lullaby. And there is this part of the song that says, I am what God made, beautiful and brave. Every fiber of me is perfectly lovely. I will be myself today.
0: Mm.
1: And I repeat that to myself every morning along with my prayer and meditation. And it really does. I, it just like helps me. Also, one of the things, a mantra I've lived by, I found a few years ago, are my friendships fuel my ministry. It's the people in my life that I keep close to me, that I keep dear, that really give me the energy and the love I need to be able to achieve my goals and to move forward and inspire and to create and to exist. Um, So that one really is large and one I live by for all life is how committed are you to the gag (laughs) whether it's you deciding what you're wearing uh, deciding the choices you're going to make in an audition or you know whatever how committed are you to the gag
0: who or what inspires you is it maybe the people you surround yourself with or is there a a book or a choreographer or anything that has been quite pivotal for you
1: I mean, no, again, yeah, friends, definitely that, when I found that mantra for my life, I was like, oh my God, like, no, but really though, because the time I get to spend with friends and just sit and connect and talk and love on each other or have experiences together, all of that really does energize me and, and, and invigorates me because the things we get, like before jumping on this call, I had a friend uh, from school that we've been friends, you know, 14 years now and she's just like my little sister and the conversations we have about future awards and like award shows. And she's like, I can't wait to style you. I can't, we speak those things into existence. We create those dreams and then hopefully one day we'll be living them and we can look and go, oh, we're here, we're in this thing. Now let's breathe it in. Um, So yeah, my friendships really, I mean, music really inspires me there's generally always music playing in my apartment
0: what was your journey in regards to training in the arts before you worked as a professional i
1: at 18 moved to new york and came to study at the american musical and dramatic academy so i did the conservatory program and only did two years um and at the end of that two years i had booked tokyo disney so then that's where the career started um yeah and amda just made sense for me again i wanted to be in new york their curriculum, how they taught, the, the dance levels for classes, um, it just made sense for me and I it was drawn to them and it, it worked out on my behalf.
0: Fantastic, no, it's great to hear, because I love, again, that our industry has no set pathway into it. So whether you've started dance at the age of three or you've transitioned into the industry when you're like 28, 30, that's, it's always possible, which is great. Where can people find you online if hopefully they are obsessed with you as I am from listening to this? Where can they find you to follow your journey? Obviously on Broadway in Mrs. Doubtfire, but where are you online?
1: My, I guess, largest presence would be on Instagram at G, but any general social media, you'll find me at jharrisong. Um,
0: yeah. And it's not G, even though there's a cheeky H in that. Okay. Not gee.
1: All right. <laughs> But it is funny that when people say ghee and they oftentimes people hear me sing and they're like, oh, your voice is like butter. And I'm like, well, it, it, <laughs> clarified butter used in Indian cookery. That's the only time I'll ever refer to my last name as ghee because it's just like kind of funny.
0: I'm so grateful that Jay had time in his busy schedule to join me on the podcast. I'm sure you found the episode so insightful and educational. I had an absolute blast. Jay's social media handles are in the show notes. So click that, give him a follow and I'll be back next week with another episode.